get up, get, get up, get up. Mets fans, welcome back to the Mets the Podcast, episode number 120. What an insane final game of this Philly series. I mean, I'm not even going to do like the typical long normal spiel. Game four was absolute chaos. It was nuts. It was, I think, the longest nine-inning baseball game of the entire season by one minute. That came in from producer John, so you know it has to be true. We're going to talk about this series. We're going to start off with game four real quick. Quick intro, I'm telling you. Follow us on all our social media, at MetsedUp. We're posting TikToks. We're posting Instagram Reels. We're posting on Twitter. We got the YouTube channel, too, with the New York Mets. So check out their YouTube channel if you're looking for the video version of it. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, all that good stuff. We appreciate you. And bringing in James. We're both also weirdly wearing orange today. Absolutely. I mean, it's a great day to be a Mets fan. This is a day to celebrate. In a season of unlikely victories, this could have been the second most unlikely victory against the Phillies all year. Which is crazy <laughs> to say because, like, okay, so obviously we know the the big one was earlier in the year where the Mets came back from, what, seven runs in the ninth inning or whatever it mm-hmm. was, and that was just, that's a soul-crushing comeback. This one was a different kind of soul-crushing because in game four, it was back and forth, but really mostly in the Phillies' favor, and the Mets just kept chipping away. I mean, I hate to be completely cliche here, but 27 outs. I, I don't think there's ever been a truer statement with the Mets team. I They never, ever, ever stop. It's just over and over and over and over again. I, of course, I listened to most of this game on the radio, and once we came out of the rain delay before the big Marcana second home run, Howie was like, you know, we're talking about how tired the Mets bullpen is. This Phillies bullpen doesn't have much left in it either, and the no. Mets just push them to the absolute brink in a game that when it began looked like the Phillies would just walk to a victory and it'd be a nice leisurely Sunday they never stopped and never quit they picked each other up and it was it was just a beautiful team win that exemplified everything they've done all year including being opportunistic as I hold my dongle for some reason yeah why you got the dongle I don't know it's just on my desk I was just holding it doing something in my hands but just just the Phillies just really have found ways to screw up these games and lose it seems like they're a different team when they play the Mets we just have their number right now well, we talked about it in person when we were having some drinks on Friday night out in the city, was that the Mets can just beat teams like the Phillies simply because they play better baseball. Where, like, against the Braves, sometimes you're going to win some, sometimes you're going to lose some because they're a really good baseball team. But when you get a team like the Mets and the Phillies, you really can see the difference in quality between these two teams because the Phillies are actually not even that bad. It's just the Mets are way better, really. Way better at like those little things, you know? Like yeah. you're not gonna have Reese Hoskins throwing the ball on what should have been a sure pickoff out. Not that that inning ended up even turning into a run. Yeah, because Brad Reece- Hand, of course, had the most Brad Hand inning of all time, which oh, Ho- Francisco Francisco Lindor's like five hundred foot foul ball home run. I couldn't believe that either. Howie almost killed me when that happened. I was riding my bike home from um Marsha P. State Park in Williamsburg and it was I was like turning on Metropolitan, which is a pretty busy street. Very busy. And he goes back 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 and i was like oh my god and i took like two hands off my handlebars and i was like celebrating on the street and i like kind of veer a little bit because yeah, i'm not on my handlebars and he goes foul and i was like oh 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 <laughs> i had to pull over after that i was freaking out yeah that was brutal at the moment especially because like for this podcast we are brad hand truthers yeah and it just oh, it hasn't come hasn't come to light yet he brad foot yeah brad foot he hasn't given up a run against the mets this year's mets this year i think in like eight appearances but oh it was so close so close but again that's not really the whole story of this game. Breaking news. Steve Cohen tweet. Oh, what do we got? What do we got? Is it a live read? Give us a live read of what Uncle Steve's got to say. Quick one. Only a few words. What a big win. This team is all heart. He's he's not wrong. 
The team's got a lot of heart. Like, again, we talked about the back and forth in this game, so let's start off at the beginning here because Jose Budo, making his Major League debut, was rough at the start, was really, really shaky, and really, at the end of the day, his final line wasn't very good. But there were times at this during the start where Jose Budo, you got a little glimpse into like, oh, good little stuff I'm seeing here. He did settle down after the first. It's possible, but the way it started was really bad. Jose Budo, and this is something we talked about on the show, and then we also talked about Matt Eddy a few weeks ago, that yeah. when you're a right-handed pitcher who doesn't throw 100 miles an hour or have a breaking ball, like it's going to be very hard to get major league hitters out consistently. And to do that, yeah. you need perfect pinpoint command. And Jose Budo seemed just kind of shaken up. Which is fair. Be- of course, for Major League debut, facing a Phillies lineup, that's not exactly bad, but... In a divisional race, and yeah. a, in a band box, like, against a pretty decent lineup, too. The, the changeups were high, the fastballs were low, like, it was it was completely seemed like the opposite of everything he was intending to do, and they were just getting bat on everything, Alec Bohm had the first row home run, his first two first row home runs, it was just, they, they were just, it wasn't good. The second inning, you saw him very much settle down for the second, third, and fourth innings. And he was saw, throwing that curveball a little bit more, too. Yeah. That curveball kind of came out of nowhere, and it looked decent, similar to how Tyler McGill came to the major leagues with a better slider than anybody had ever heard. Like, Budos looked a little bit like sweeperish too. It had that nice like down and yeah, um, and running plane, and his fastball didn't even look awful at times. Like it actually had a little bit of carry. It was I think it, it was a light fastball. It's not a heavy fastball. It's a hittable fastball. But to be fair, I think I don't. You wouldn't have caught this because you weren't watching the game on TV. But after I watched Reese the first Hos- four innings on TV. I watched okay. Budo on TV. Did you see Reese Hoskins when he was telling like hundred percent? That was it. Yeah, he was talking about that. It's got a little bit of little yeah. ride or zip carry. to it. Yeah, it's got ride. It does. And if you look at like the way it moved today and his spin rate, it actually kind of looks exactly hilariously like Carlos Carrasco's fastball. Interesting, but a tiny little bit tick faster. And Carlos Carrasco's fastball is like a little bit better than league average in terms of ride and like vertical movement. So yeah, when you look at that, you're like, all right, maybe. Budo can be something eventually, but there's an issue when you saw how bad he looked early, and he comes back around to face his lineup for a third time. The yeah. Phillies, it seemed like the entire top of that order, because it went Schwarber, Hoskins, Boehm, they all knew exactly what was coming by that point in the game, and they took advantage of it. Oh, but that was nowhere near the end of this game. No, no, it wasn't at all. I mean, they they got some runs on him, made it a, a seven-run a seven run game at this point. It was, what, seven to four, I think, when yeah. Budo left the game. But our boy, we got to talk about... The new Mets folk legend, as we lose Patrick Mazika to the Giants, one of the folk legends, someone who I'll be um, forever connected to in my life, as we know I have to name my first child Patrick because of a home run he hit against Andres Munoz. But Nate Fisher, this guy, literally came out of nowhere and had a really, really good Major League debut. I mean, do you want, do you want to tell the story of Nate Fisher? I think he'll be a little more eloquent maybe than I. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I just heard it from Howie today. I didn't even know anything about it. But Nate Fisher was out of baseball a year ago. He completed his MBA program, Master of Business Administration, and was working as a credit analyst in the First National Bank in Omaha. Yeah, which is a year crazy. Ago. Dude, now so, he's pitching in for the Mets. I don't know who posted it. Someone in the Mets community. And I, I, someone who, like, I, I don't know. I don't remember who it was. But they posted his You're LinkedIn. You're pulling to me. You're pulling to you. They posted his LinkedIn. And it was like... <laughs> Minor league baseball player working at the first bank of Oklahoma or uh, Omaha, Oklahoma. not Oklahoma. Well, yeah, Omaha. Yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. And then player for the New York Mets. And it's like, how does how is that even like a stretch of jobs that makes sense? But in his debut, he comes out and gives us three absolutely massive innings out of the bullpen and could be one of the main reasons why the Mets were able to win this game. I think he has like, he didn't get the win in the books, but he gets the win in Mets fans' hearts. He was listed as an unknown player in ESPN during the game cast of this game. <laughs> they didn't have a name for him. It just it was a name. It was just a black box and it said unknown player. And my friends in a group chat were like making fun of it. 
And but if you look at like what he actually did in this game, it's pretty interesting. Is over these three innings, Nate Fisher threw five different pitches, leading the way with a slider. He threw more than a third of the time, followed by a fastball sinker, changeup, and a few curveballs he mixed in. He just hilariously like he was a rookie who's barely played baseball in the last year, but he looked like a wily vet out there, just doing random stuff to get outs. It was yeah. And we didn't even mention the fact that he survived a rain delay, a 45-minute rain delay. And he got up in the first inning. Yes. So he, Gary was talking about this a lot on the broadcast. He's like, Nate Fisher, while he did only pitch three innings today, he goes, he's been up since the first inning in every inning before that and the rain delay. He's like, he basically had a complete game shutout. Like <laughs> He threw his first pitch today at about 1.40 p.m. And he finished his outing at what, 6? 5.45? Which, I don't think people realize how insanely difficult that is to do. I, I I can't I still can't even fathom what he was doing when he was doing it. It was just he was just getting out, and you could just see how it was like really eating at the Phillies in a series where f- consistently they were trying to use their best relievers. It seemed like to hang with the Mets every chance they could. The Mets are throwing out Nate Fisher and just putting him down. He was working. He like you said, he was a creditor about six months ago or whatever it was, like a credit analyst or something like that. This guy's getting big outs in a big division race for the New York Mets. I mean, Nate Fisher. If we ever gave away, you know, like a star of the weekend or star of the series, I, th- I think it's got to be Nate Fisher, but or maybe maybe play second fiddle to another guy though. Yeah, I think I think Mark Hanna kind of winds up being a bit of the star in this game yeah. for the home run he hit right out of the rain delay, which <laughs> I was mid I was about to get into a deep slumber because I was like I don't know how long this rain delay is gonna be. I haven't been getting a lot of great sleep. My neighbors. I feel like there wasn't me. a there wasn't a big warning for the rain delay ending. No, there wasn't. There Just wasn't at, at all. We're back. Oh, yeah, okay. they're back. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was getting ready to take a nap because my neighbors above me have been playing basketball seemingly the, this entire weekend. So I haven't been getting a lot of sleep early in the morning. Old man Mark. So, yeah, old man Mark. So I was I was out on the couch. I was about to hit a deep slumber. And then all of a sudden I hear Gary scream. And I'm up. I'm all jacked up. I was like, Mark Hanna, let's go. And who would have thought that that wouldn't have been his only home run of the game off of Connor Brogdon in the seventh? Comes back in the ninth inning and hits one of the biggest home runs the Mets have had all year. When Mark Hanna hit the first home run, I was walking from, I was just, I got some lunch and I was chilling at the park. I just, I had to get out of the house today. Well, I watched the first couple of innings, I watched Budo on the radio, and I was like, I want to disconnect from the Mets a little bit. This looks like a bad game. Put Howie on, ride my bike to the waterfront, get some falafel, chill out, good day. You can eat I'm, falafel? Yeah, no flour it, in falafel. I thought it was fried. What is it? What's the fried it's part? Chickpeas. Chickpea flour. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Great. It's a great, it's a great treat for the gluten-free. But, 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 I was walking back to my bike because I parked a few blocks away near the food place. And as it's happening, this home run happens. And I'm just like on the street with headphones on, screaming and jumping up and down, flexing my arms. And there was this like legitimate like couple, like one of these like chic boho couples, like in their 30s, like with tattoos and like a like just gorgeous children. And just, <laughs> they just look at me and I'm like, oh, you guys don't get it, whatever. And I spun around, treated myself some ice cream right after that because I was so excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if I if I could have eaten ice cream, I would have had some I was ice just, cream. I, was just, I, just, I freaked out. I just didn't think, I don't know. Not that I didn't think they were going to come back and win because it felt like as the Mets came back the first time that they had every opportunity to come back. And this Phillies bullpen, of course, doesn't scare anybody and i think no. this was my guy connor brogdon who gave up this was your guy. guy yeah i jinx i was such an effective jinxer in this series i'm learning you how to really hone I'm learning how to hone my skills but i i it was like it was freaking crazy like the Marcana just tied this game twice once that home run happened i went oh oh they're, they're gonna do it again they're gonna come back and crush the phillies again trevor may came in had a rough inning gave up that run whatever don't care we win the game i i really don't even care to focus much on that and then we go to the ninth and like we said mark canna again 
in the ninth off of David Robertson, who Mets fans, yeah, you have to stop now, right? There's no, you, you can't say anything. You can't say, I wish we got David Robertson. Why didn't we trade for David Robertson? That has to be over because, boy, oh, boy, did he blow it in this one. A beautiful, beautiful expedition by David Robertson. Also, I can't really hold it against him because he put through two innings yesterday. Some Wait. some high leverage situations, of course. And yeah. Sir Anthony Dominguez go just going on the IL. That did help us a lot here. I can't For say sure. it didn't. But Mark Hanna put it five rows back. Originally, the estimate, I don't know if we said it on the show or if Josh just said it to us, but it was going to be home runs hit in this series that would not have been home runs in City Field. And yeah. this, including the Bone one, <laughs> those were not home runs in City Field. Sneaked over. Citizens Bank Park, baby. It's all you need to do is get over the fence. And Mark Hanna did it and tossed out the bat, bat flip of the year so far for the New York Mets. I mean, we we might have to change his nickname. I don't know if he's Mark Cheer- Marky Cheerios anymore. Like that yeah. was that was that had a lot of flair to it. That had a lot of swag. And as as much as we rely on Cheerios, especially the way Mark Can has been playing lately, the dude's been better than Cheerios. Uh, Mar- Marky Lucky Charms does that have the same ring? Honey Nut Cheerios, just Honey Nut Cheerios. You think still keep them very stable and strong? Cheerios. We gotta think of something that's like something you eat that's fun with three with three syllables. Marky Marky Falafel. Marky Falafel. <laughs> that's that's this, bad. Kill it this, though. We're going to start talking about stats now again. This is the first run that David Robertson has allowed since joining the Phillies. Awesome, awesome. to be a part of that. Awesome. First five RBI game in Mark Hanna's career. Awesome. Canna's the first met with multiple game-tying or go-ahead home runs in seventh inning or later of a game since Curtis Granderson, September 2016. Another Wiley veteran. S- yeah, similar vibe here. I'm just reading John's stats now. Let's see if we got another one. Go-ahead home run by the Mets in ninth inning or later against the Phillies. <laughs> Never mind. I was talking about just, just uh, trashing on Hector Neres. Which is fine. I'm full. I'm in it for it. It's just so unbelievably improbable. And then, luckily, something that's going to be drastically overlooked is the fact that Brandon Nimmo <laughs> did the patented first pitch home run coming out of the SNY commercial break right afterwards. Yes. Thank God. Off of the reliever that comes in, who's the guy? I, I think he made his MLB debut as well, this guy. Poor dude. Uh, actually, not not poor dude. Tyler Sire, sorry, you're a major leaguer. I don't feel bad for you, but he came yeah, in. Yeah, not, not a poor dude. He's getting a game yeah. check. Yeah, he's, he's fine, but came in, and Brandon Nimmo, like you said, pounced on the first pitch, which that's when it's good. When Brandon Nimmo hits the home run, I like when he's aggressive like that. But, oh, I mean, what a game. And then we do have to talk about Edwin making it a little interesting. Philly's the first team this year that looked, I don't want to say comfortable, but didn't look afraid of Edwin Diaz in the box. They came out uh, swinging hard and heavy, and they were aggressive, which you don't see necessarily too often against Diaz. Well, this was also the second time in three outings where Diaz didn't really have command of his slider, because I think back to that Braves game that we were at last Saturday as well, yeah. where he just looked like that he couldn't really get that pitch over for a strike like he had been so far this year. And they weren't scared, but they're also, I mean, they were hitting the ball hard a little bit later on, Ish, but the first yeah. guys that got on base, it was just, it was not really, I don't know. Well, JT was, smoked it up the middle. He did, and then uh, Nick Cassiano just dropped one in. But he still got the job done. He broke oh, the scoreless yeah. broke the scoreless inning streak, and I'm happy he was able to break that streak and get rid of that. Yes, while still getting enough. a save. That for is sure. almost like as good as this could have gone for the Mets. Especially because I got just the worst PTSD flashbacks when Gene Segura, Segura was up, yeah. and I was like, "You, you got to be kidding me! This guy's up." We didn't even mention the home run he hit, but who cares? Gene Segura is a rat. I, mean, I just he he went ballistic. He left his helmet on the field. What even who got, who got that helmet? I don't good. I couldn't he, even he, tell. He can hold the L, too, because the Phillies suck. He looked I, like he I, also pointed at Brandon Nimmo or something and, like, said something. No, they, they do that to their bullpen. It's some weird thing that uh, they always, like, Reese Hoskins. This is one of the main reasons why I hate Reese Hoskins. It's because when he hit the home run, he does this little thing, which, like, I don't know, I feel like in Italian culture, that's, like, giving the horns, and that's a little, you know, it's a little evil omen coming there. But uh, it was just, it was so nice that Gene Segura didn't beat us, that the Mets won this game, came back, stomped on the Phillies' throats. I mean, 
Remember after the game where we came back from that huge one and they cut to Phillies fans and they were just so de- defeated, distraught. Like it was it was a look that you don't see too often. And it's it's got to be a similar feeling even though the game wasn't as far away, but this one this one might hurt maybe a little bit more cuz it's later in the season too. It's just it's so unbelievable that this Mets team has like defiled the Phillies this entire season. They have not been able to do anything. All the games they thought they were going to win, they lost. There were a bunch of games we beat them wire to wire. We'll talk about it later. But in the nine games so far this season where we faced Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, the Mets beat our 9-0. That's like, sick. They have to be like staring at themselves right now in the locker room being like, what can we do to possibly beat this team? We've completely dem- emasculated them. Which is awesome. I mean, That's I love, as, as someone who's a avid Philly hater, I mean, God be my least favorite city in the entire country. It's just, it's incredible to really take care of business against this team. And I mean, you brought up beating Nola and Wheeler. We might as well move to talking about those games too now because those were the other wins in this series. And game one against Aaron Nola, I mean, just a really, really good baseball game. It's just, Nola does this thing sometimes where it's just sometimes he, like, where he, this perfect command goes to being, like, perfectly imperfect. And he just can't nip those corners. When he can't nip those corners, he gets behind in the count. When he gets behind in the count, he can't use his breaking stuff as much. He's throwing yep. the ball more middle of the plate. He's walking a few guys. And you could just nickel and dime him. That's dime him. That's kind of one of the only things that's held Nola back from always being this tier two pitcher. A very consistently incredible tier two pitcher forever. Yep. Never being that tier one. And that also comes from just when you're a right-handed pitcher, like just like Buda, when you don't have that great velocity. He throws 93 or whatever he throws. Yeah. Even though he has multiple great off-speed pitches, knuckle curve, the job, change up. I think he has a color now too. It's amazing. But just you can kind of tell right away with these Nola games where like, oh, we got him today. And you saw in the first inning, Nimmo, Lindor, Marte, someone that hits, Alonzo drove in a run, Bo made an error, which was, which again, the start of this series awesome. where the Phillies are going to play some awful defense. Alonzo also with a home run the third inning of this game, the second at bat. Shout out John for completely calling that one because it was yep. tied for the longest stretch of his career where he hadn't hit a home run in the 15 games, so he's going to get one. And you he know just, what the Mets batters did too, which we talked about a little bit in Atlanta, that they were maybe like not taking as deep counts, it felt like, later in the series. And in this game against Nola, they got him out in five innings. Granted, they hit him out a little bit too, but I think he, he got like to 100. walks too. Yeah, but he got to like 100 pitches in five. So the Mets were taking really deep counts, really good at-bats. Gary, they were mentioning again, they're like, this Mets team, man, they just kind of break you down. They don't make it easy. And that was something that I feel like that was missing a little bit in Atlanta was these deep hard-working counts against the pitchers. But I will push back on that because of the other stuff I was just saying, where it, did, it just seemed like Nola wasn't absolutely his sharpest. And this kind of comes from, you know, face a team twice in a week, you, you get a better look at the guy. When we faced the Braves, it seemed like everyone was on their A game between Freed, Morton, oh. and Strider. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
those guys, you probably really couldn't have taken many pitches because you would just struck out on three pitches. But that the same being thing said, with Nola like, last week, though. When Nola's on, you can't really take pitches against him because he yeah. pounds a strike zone. But he's, there's some times where he just can't really nip those corners. He can't find that black. That's when he's susceptible, and he was, and that's where able to take advantage of that. Yep. Bassett also had a little bit of trouble, but really at the end of the day... Before did, we talk about his, Bassett, I want to talk about a funny play that happened in this game that we we that we pontificated about when we were hanging out on Friday, yeah, too. Yeah, all the, the first and third. The famed first and third double steal. Probably what you learn as on defense your fourth or fifth day of Little League after just, everyone finds their positions and you're allowed was, to steal, this is like the yeah. first thing you'd work on. I was going to say, I think you can start stealing once you start like letting the kids pitch. And it's usually like you can't steal until the ball crosses home plate, which is like an impossible thing to actually figure out when you're a child on first base. But I feel like that is one of the first things that they teach you in second grade baseball. Like you said, Little League, the catcher knows what to do. The shortstop and second baseman would know what to do. This play has almost never worked in my entirety of baseball playing career from Little League to high school. I haven't seen it work more than one or two times. And it worked in a Major League Baseball game against the Phillies, which is I hilarious. Gonna, I was going to say, like, I don't think I've really seen it ever work in a baseball game like this. But Francisco Lindor was on first. Stalling Marte was on third. Marte was dancing, dancing, dancing. Lindor broke from first. Bryson Stott jumped in front of the throw at second base and threw home, just threw it on the first base side of the base and low and allowed Marte to get in steal. A perfect throw. He gets Marte at home because that's the yes. whole crux of that play because you won't really want to be – usually can't make it because the major league shortstop over there and he's almost always going to make a great throw. We saw the Phillies actually do this against the Mets, try and get them back, and Francisco Lindor got the ball and just kind of quarterbacked and got everyone back to their original bases. Got everyone totally. back, and then they, they made the play at the plate in the one game too as well. Yeah, it's true. So the Phillies were over two in this, and the Mets were one and out, but – it's just is you can. This is the difference with a team like the Phillies versus a team like the Braves. You can take advantage of something like that. Yes, I, I was just about to say it a little bit differently, but going back to what we said earlier, that the Mets do things well, and the Phillies can't do those little things well. And this was one of those little things that in the game, and at that exact moment, you're like, okay, it's one run. But this is something that, like, over a series continues happening, continues happening, these little mistakes, and the Mets are able to completely separate themselves from the Phillies, which they did in this game because it really was a nice and easy win. Yes, and just to break down Bassett briefly, he was cruising early, and then he kind of struggled a lot. There was a bad fifth inning there that kind of got exacerbated by a Brett Beatty misthrow that kind of took away a double play that would have gotten the mass inning a little bit quicker. He also, Bassett gave up plenty of hard contact in this one and just seemed like it was one of those starts where he didn't exactly have the best feel that he would have liked on his breaking pitches again because it was heavy, heavy sinker, about 40%, and his slider just wasn't really missing bats. And when you look at it, he couldn't really locate it against lefties not the slider just locate any of his pitches against yep. lefties he usually likes to feature the cutter against them and that was there but it wasn't there and he also likes to throw a lot of curveballs against lefties but it just did not seem like he had the feel for that pitch only threw three curveballs against lefties this entire start he throws out about 10 to 15 percent against lefties in a given game so one of those games where he didn't have it but still only gave up two runs in six innings and gave the Mets absolutely an incredible chance to win 2.11 ERA for Bassett since June 14th sixth lowest amongst 103 pitchers with 50-plus innings in that span. And he's also top 20 in the league in the strikeout minus walk rate over that same since June 1st. He's just, he's consistently good. He gives us, we've said it from the beginning of the year. We're going to continue to say it. He just fills in that void of just consistency, six innings, every single time he goes out there. Yep, and you can rely on that. Brett Beatty got some very nice insurance afterwards. Brett Beatty hilariously has three hits in his major league career and six RBIs. Yes, and... Even with those three hits, I think he's like three for 20 or 21 right now, I believe. Yeah. So the average isn't particularly high. But I've got to say, I said it in last time too, I'm really impressed with his at-bats, the quality of contact he makes on the at-bats. Hit the ball in the air a little bit more and we're really cooking. But 
I mean, like, it's like a, it's about as good of a three for 20 as I can remember in a long time. I think it might just feel that way because there have been some rough at bats for Brett. And I do think that he might go back down this week. I don't know. I have, I have a feeling it's possible with Escobar coming back. I'm not positive, but I think it's a 50 50 shot. We'll see how these, maybe these next two games go. Especially because I feel like today, the fact that he got pulled out for defense in the ninth inning, that's something that they're seemingly they're not going to be that comfortable with right away. And he, it's not like he's been bad there, but it's not like he's been great. He, no. he reminds me a lot of what Austin Riley looked like on defense his first Fair. year in the league, where he's just yeah. not super confident there, and the game seems to be moving a lot faster, and he seems to be trying to adjust to it quickly. Well, did you hear also, what Buck said, too? Uh, no. bef- I think it was before. It was either before game one or before the doubleheader. He talked about how one of the biggest transitions, he said, in all of sports right now is going from the minor leagues to the majors, and just cited one of the things is it's the game just moves so much faster. And even today on the broadcast, Ronnie and Gary were talking about it with Budo, that he was throwing a lot of pitches. He goes, oh, that gets triple-A, double-A hitters every single time. He yeah. goes, we have to remember that the guy hitting ninth right now for the Phillies hit third that. in triple-A. It was the best hitter in double-A. Like, all, it's kind of everybody that makes it here was the best at a certain time. So you're now facing these really, really good guys. It's hard to get them out on being, like, average or stuff that you could fool younger guys with. So Yeah, and it's only literally his, this was today, Brett Bailey's, what, fifth Major League Baseball game? So <laughs> Something I think, like that. I think he has some time to work out these kinks. Also, we Definitely. have to... Shout out Tyler Naquin because this was a rough night for my boy over here. Yeah. Platinum Sombrero, 5Ks. I think he has struck out at one point in eight consecutive at-bats. That was rough, you know, but, I mean, this is a Tyler Naquin experience. The, guy, the guy's a ball player. He's an athlete. He was really hot, and now he's cold, and they just were just in time for him to get really hot again in the middle of September for the playoffs. Yes. Let, let the Messed Up interview come out with us so that we can get him hot again because, as we know, we do have a bump with these guys. Of course, yeah. Him and uh, Nito, hopefully the, this week, maybe the week after. But also, this game, gosh, shout out. Shout out the top of the order, facing one of the best pitchers in the National League. They absolutely carried the squad. Yep. Nimmo, Marte, Lindor, Alonso, one through four, went eight for 19, three doubles, one home run, five runs scored, three RBIs, and seven hard hit balls for four players. They were awesome. They were That's great. That's what you got to do. Nimmo looked a lot more comfortable, which is so funny against a really, really good pitcher. He looked a lot more comfortable. This entire series, Nimmo was like fantastic at the plate. Yeah. So <laughs> think, you just have to call him out. Maybe, maybe he heard. Maybe he's been listening to the podcast. He's like, the boys are right. I haven't been seeing as many pitches. I need to be a little more patient because it did feel like he was working the count again. Maybe Jeff was just like playing in the clubhouse and Nimmo caught a whiff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, hearing you disrespect him with the, with the estimate call from last week. Thankfully, oh, you got me. There was no disrespect there. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Again, I lost, which is just unfortunate. I'm, I'm wearing that tuxedo. I think there's no way around <laughs> it. I would really need to choke. But game two, game, game two of the series, game one of Saturday's doubleheader, is where I kind of grabbed my big lead on you because, yeah. among other things, Jeff McNeil, I believe, got three hits in this one. That really you know set me on a warpath, but... Jeff had an unbelievable series. <laughs> he, just, yeah. he just couldn't get out. Sitting like 500 in the last week. But this was a game you go into a series as a Mets fan, even as a baseball fan, if you're just paying attention casually, you're like, okay, Trevor Williams is facing Zach Wheeler. There's a pretty good chance the Phillies win this game at yeah, home. more than likely. Especially when you watch the first three innings, the first time around the Mets order, and Zach Wheeler's doing that thing where he looks really good. The fastballs are high. The sliders are yep. darting low and away. He he threw such a good cutter to Daniel Vogelback on, a, I think it was a 3-2 pitch after he had trouble finding the zone initially. That just It just found its way into the zone the last possible second. What an unbelievable weapon that he uses that for against left-handers that's really yeah. a new trick that i get i don't even know who in the phillies could have taught him that like, probably probably, probably caleb cotham probably learned yeah caleb cotham is actually a decent pitching coach he has pretty yeah. he's pretty well regarded but that's only this year thing i think this is his first year with the team no i think he was there last year too oh really well pretty whatever. sure but as this was going on i want all mets fans out there to thank me for my prolific jinxing ability <laughs> yes. because i tweeted 
I have no doubt in my mind that Zach Wheeler's going a minimum of seven shutout innings today <laughs> against the Mets. And it did feel like that because last week the Mets got to him, and you're a good pitcher like Wheeler. It seems like when you face a team twice, they get to you one time. Next time you're going to clamp up, and it really felt like that. But just suddenly, the floodgates opened. The blooping floodgates opened, as we know, because the Mets don't hit the ball hard ever. Line drives in my book. Yeah. Michael Perez, baby. Michael, Michael Perez. P- Michael Piazza Perez with a two RBI <laughs> single off of Zach Wheeler to get the scoring going. I'm not sure what his deal is, but I like him. I like him. He's a ball player. He's a grinder. He's a grinder. He catches a great game. He's got a hose. He, and I squ- like his lefty swing. If you squint, you, you see Tomas Nito. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it's just from like, the left-hand side. Oh, wow. Okay. Nito, Nito, Nito switch hitter now, I guess. But that was amazing. And the next inning, it seemed like Wheeler was still shaking up because Francisco Lindor hit a rope oh, for yeah. an RBI triple. And then Jeff McNeil, RBI single, chased Wheeler in the fifth inning. And back-to-back starts against the Mets. And Zach Wheeler just looked completely ordinary. Yep. Oh, it, was, it was so great. It's great to make to those... hear him whine after the game? Oh, oh my he, God. He stridered us. He stridered us. He was saying about the lucky hits again. We're dripping like, from our mouth, so he's happy I, to eat them. I believe the Mets did hit some hard balls against him, too. So I, I don't know necessarily what he was talking about. Like, yeah... I, it's a baseball game. There are going to be plenty of hits that aren't hit hard, but the Mets still, I believe, against him had a bunch of hard hit balls. I'm trying to go to Savant now and figure no, out exactly. I'm here. I'll be here in one moment. There you go. But the Mets I mean, against Wheeler in this game had oh, <laughs> three hard hit balls. <laughs> you know what? Too bad, Zach. Give shame. up less. Give up it's less. It's also only five hits. I mean, maybe Zach Wheeler shouldn't walk four guys if he's worried about lucky hits scoring runs. That's there's true, no one yeah. on base. The bloop doesn't matter. It's just a yeah, hit. That's a good point. Yeah, pitch better, Zach Wheeler, next time. Everybody's got excuses when they lose to the Mets. Is What about the Mets are just good? What about the Mets are just better than you? How about that? Because, I mean, we are now, how many games into the season are we? 120? About. When it, when we're is the luck? We're, we're entering the fourth quarter. When is the luck going to end? And people are just going to be like, "Oh, this the Mets are just really good." Like, what does it take? You want to talk about um, the Mets being really good, dominant performances? Trevor Williams, <laughs> dude. The, Trevor by, Williams, the winner, the winner of the Mets Cubs trade from last July is, is absolutely. I, unless, it's the PCA, Trevor Williams trade. To PCA would have to at least make an All Star game for him to be more <laughs> valuable than Trevor Williams has been to the Mets this year. I'm not even kidding about that. Dude, like Trevor, Trevor Williams, Williams has accrued so much value this year that it's, the Mets are really coming out on top here. Trevor Williams has not given up a run in 24 straight innings, which is hilarious to say out loud. Trevor and in Will- that time, he has a win, a save, and a hold. Trevor Williams hasn't given up a run since July 7th. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, technically since July 2nd, because that was actually the last game he gave up a run. That's true. July the 7th, he didn't give one up. He's a 1.5 wins above replacement right now, according to Baseball Reference. I mean, he's been so awesome for this team, and... Let's be honest, when they first traded for him, that was a throw-in. That was a, we'll take Trevor Williams too, but... It was a throw-in, but it was a throw-in with understanding because the Mets knew they were going to get have to get a guy to eat innings who they were going to have under team control for at least another year. And I remember when this trade was going on, there was another guy that you and I said we would have rather had, but I can't remember who it is right now. But it was uh, another kind of like un, un, like unimpressive like star the reliever guy from, from the Cubs. I don't remember. Unimportant. Yeah, I don't remember. Unimportant. Also, we got the right one. Yeah, of course, 100%. 24 consecutive scoreless innings. Opponents are 9 for twenty four, nine for 54 against Williams' fastball during the scoreless streak. He's throwing at 56% of the time. And that pitch, while it is so unspectacular in so many different ways, he puts it on a, it's a dot every single time. Yeah, he, he, has gr- he has great command. And he's fantastic command. Some of the best command right now of any fastball, literally in baseball, in terms <laughs> of Eno Saris' lo- location plus that comes out on the athletic. Literally, it's one of the best command pluses on a fastball in baseball right now. That's crazy. And his slider's actually good. Like, it's a good pitch. It has very good movement profile. Jeremy Hefner. 
with those two pitches, you could really do a lot. And people forget that Trevor Williams had like a had like a really full season year. where he had like a three ERA, like what four years ago with the Pirates. Yeah, with the Pirates, I believe it was it was twenty yeah twenty eighteen. He had a three eleven yeah. ERA with a one one seven WHIP, FIP three point eight six. Like his numbers were real. Like they, it was like, oh, you pitched well. Your numbers are truthful. It was just to see him go out there and go toe to toe with Zach Wheeler, and also props to Buck. He took him out at the right time. Yep. Third time through the order. First guy got on. He yanked him right out. And right there move. was no damage after that. That was very, very, very good work by Buck managing the bullpen. Incredible growth from Buck with the bullpen this year. Yes, very Unbelievable. good job. It's so, so impressed by how different it's been since the first couple of series. It's just, it's night and day. And also, big, big rally from the Mets in ninth inning of this game. With Edmund Diaz warming up in a 4-1 game, the Mets put a four or a five spot, four spot. Yep. On the Phillies' bullpen. Got Derek Hall into the game to pitch. They made <laughs> yeah. it look so bad. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, Mets just kept hitting. It was a really, really nice game start to finish. Uh, or I guess it started slow, but once the fifth, fourth inning came around, the Mets were just completely in control. Good job by the bullpen, too. We saw Joelle have another really good appearance, one and two-thirds yeah. innings, which was nice. And we got the Mets' debut from Sam Clay. So shout-out to Sam Clay making his first day, uh, appearance for the Mets. Promptly sent down. Yeah, yeah. He actually he might have been DFA'd. Oh, okay. No, I think. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure what, what <laughs> no, happened to Sam Clay, but he's no longer with the team. No, he's definitely not. But maybe, maybe we'll see him again. Yeah, you know what? It's a strong name, Sam Clay. At the at the at the least, it's incredibly, incredibly strong name. Also, I got a funny DM this week from one of our friends of the program, uh, known by the moniker of Jeff McKitts. Oh, of course, oh, the, bo- the legend, Jeff McKitts. Yeah, Jeff McKitts on Twitter. He I said, knew that came from him. I knew when you sent that in. No, the that chat. one actually wasn't from him. That one I oh, sent you was a different one. Okay. Because we shouted our boy Jeff out a few weeks ago in the show, and we ran into him at the ballpark last Saturday. And he said it's hilarious that we call him Jeff because it's not his name. His real name, <laughs> I believe, is actually Clay. No way. Yeah, and we were just talking about Sam Clay. Yeah, I'm going to scroll oh, up right now and make sure I don't get his name wrong because I know no, he's listening to this. You're definitely right. It is Clay. He's told me before it's Clay. It yes. just, I just he's like, my Jeff name's McKitt's. Clay instead of calling me Jeff. Just call me Clay. I don't, think, right. I don't think, nah, we'll see. We'll see. But just saying Sam Clay kind of made me think of it, but I thought that was just funny. Who was the other fan that sent you oh. that really, really nice message? Give them a shout-out, because yeah, that's, well, that that's was, a sick message. That was our boy J-Dog. Oh, J-Dog. the legend J-Dog. It's a legend J-Dog. There is a third shout-out here. He said that every single time we shout him out, he freaks out and tells his wife, and he gets so excited. So J-Dog, <laughs> here's another mention for you, my guy. Enjoy. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Day one, uh, Yeah, definitely one of the day one guys. We do appreciate oh. everybody. But Fun I mean, series. We're just thanking people. We're thanking people. We're we're talking about you. You had ice cream today. You were talking I about did. eating falafel. You know, during yeah. game four. So I was talking about. I, I woke up from a nap in the ninth inning when all that was happening. I was scrolling on TikTok during uh, the the commercial break, and then the the stuff started happening. I'm like, I have to keep watching TikTok. I can't get off of TikTok right now. Oh, like, you're just, you just sticking. I was just watching videos and listening and peeking up every once in a while. And every time I peeked up, that's when the home run happened. Can a home run? Brandon Nimmo home run when I gave a peek up. So I was like. Got to stay on TikTok here. And then in the ninth, once Edwin got in a little bit of trouble, I just started playing Narcos out loud. I just started playing it out <laughs> loud in my apartment, it. just blasting it. That's I was like, a really good idea. I wish I would have done that. I was like, the trumpet's got to follow him somewhere. If he can hear him from a story of Queens and it's helping him out, I will do it for Edwin Diaz. Just, oh, what a, I'm still sticking with this Sunday game. What a freaking team win that was. There were so it really many was. things. There were so many things. Mets have scored so 100 runs things. on the Phillies this year. 100. Doesn't even make any sense. What nineteen games, eighteen games? <laughs> yeah, it's so more many. than five a game. <laughs> That's so like they've just been. They really have handled the Phillies so well. Like you said, nine and zero against Wheeler and Nola is is the craziest stat. I won't say that super defiantly because there's a non-zero percent chance that the Mets get the Phillies again, possibly depending okay. on how the rest of this stuff shakes out. So people were saying that and dunking on the Phillies, but there's a really good chance that the Mets have to face 
Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler in back-to-back games in October, so I'm not going to okay. say that. I'm not going to say we're undefeated against them. So far, we have beaten them in every game we've played against them. Fair, fair. It doesn't mean anything. There have been a lot of close games there, too. They've done, they pitched a lot of good games, a couple of bad games, but a lot of good ones. That's great. We also, I guess, we should briefly talk about the one game the Mets lost, game two. Just Only talk really, about Peterson. Yeah. yeah, I'm just going to talk about Peterson. It's just return to the rotation. You kind of see that he's been getting yanked around here, and that kind of seems like a guy with Peterson who, I'm not going to say he's like finicky, but he just seems like he's a guy where... He's a six foot seven left-handed pitcher. Yeah. I mean, lefties in general are like completely different people. Like, especially left-handed pitchers, it's like they're from a different planet. So you have, to, you have to treat them properly. I don't know how often I'd like to travel to and from Syracuse in a single year, but <laughs> generally, max one. Yeah, max. I haven't been to. I went to Syracuse once, and I have not gone back. And honestly, unless we're talking to Francisco Alvarez or another top prospect, I don't really have any interest in going back to Syracuse. No, not at all. And this is also a very right-handed heavy lineup from the Phillies. I believe that um, the Schwarber was the only lefty that started this game, and the Phillies got a run off him right away. They just were getting the bat and the ball. His slider command was not perfect. There was a lot more velo though on almost every single one of his pitches. Like everything across the board was a tick up. He got to ninety-seven miles an hour with a fastball. That yeah. velo did fade a little bit as we got into the fourth and fifth innings. But then it came sense. back up again for the end. He also did go to 100 pitches. Yeah. Most pitches he throw in a game in like a month. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And just like he dealt with the adversity very well. There was traffic almost every single inning. There was traffic men on. And it just it could have been a lot worse than what he ended up giving up, which I believe was three runs in the four and two-thirds innings. Or maybe yeah. two. Yeah, two, two runs. Because he gave up a run the first, run the second. No one else got in. But there were always guys on. Yes. Jeff McNeil bailed him out a few times with some great defensive plays. Sick. Jeff Got doesn't get enough love for how good defensively he is. I think I saw a stat that he's like one of the top OAA players in all of baseball this year, which is hilarious for a guy who everyone would talk about him as a hitter rather than a fielder. Well, I'm talking about as a hitter because he got what eight hits for me in this series, won the estimate single handedly against you. Is that how we're gonna? Is that how we're gonna transition into the estimate here? Do you have any more things to say about David Peterson? Or is it time to just? Well, that was all David Peterson, but just also shout out the Mets for making David Robertson work hard for his two inning save. He threw 36 pitches, and that really paid off for us on yeah, Sunday. Definitely. And we all, Brett Bailey, we almost got to him in the ninth inning here, almost did it. But good series overall. Good series overall. As you guys can tell, we have brought in John now, producer John. Rocket, what what Mets shirt are you wearing? Is that a jersey? No, this is uh, the sweatshirt type that's, thing. That's, 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 a, that's, that's a strong, strong sweatshirt, sweatshirt right there. That's a good one, yeah. That's yeah, I have an even better black one from like 06, 07. Oh, Korea. is it with the blue like the black with the blue thing, you know, no, what I'm oh, about? The, on the you're sleeve. Talking the, you're talking the Jerry Manuel era. Yes, yes, hundred percent. I do have that, but that's not. No, I'm talking about just like straight up black crew neck sweatshirt from '06. Okay. Um, I'll probably break that out in October. And speaking of October, James, you made a great point. I was thinking about this all weekend. By the way, other than drinks Friday, you guys have a good weekend. What'd you guys do? Yeah, uh, had, yeah. We, we had a lot of drinks Friday. We have. Friday, we had fun. We met up with our old roommate. First time, like, three of us hung out, like, basically since we all moved out of that place. And we just went to a random bar in Gramercy that was going through, like, an absolute hell night. Their yeah. their gun broke, like the soda gun. So <laughs> oh, yeah. they were they were running back and forth up the block, like the like the waiters and the guys in the kitchen, like, bringing back, like, sprites in bags <laughs> to make people mix drinks. 
And then everyone had left, and the guy locked the doors. Really cool bartender out there. Shout out, cool bartender there, Dan at Triona's. Yeah. He just like walked over to our table, the bottle James, and he's like, this night sucked. Like, you guys are cool. Like, I have another hour or two of cleaning. So you guys just chill out, do whatever you want. Keep, I'll pour you more M- drinks. They had MLB extra innings on, like the six game box and the TV in there. So we're like, we're not, we're not going to leave. Like, yeah. we had a great time. But yeah, good night. Like, good, good weekend otherwise. Oh, yeah. Great time. Great time. Saturday did absolutely nothing. It was a little bit of a recovery day. I don't do I hangovers, to, but I went to a very fun birthday party on Saturday with um, yeah. our other friends. It was a great time. And then I had some nice Greek food today for lunch. Uh, shout out SVL go. bar. SVL, of course. It's always solid. Never miss. How about you, John? What did you do? Oh, man. I, I uh, went up to Massachusetts with the wife and dog. Um, the dog came too. the dog came. Yeah, we went there for it. There was a dog beach in this town, uh. Nahant, Massachusetts had never heard of it it's like 20 minutes past boston um nice beach town like nice little studio apartment five minute walk to the beach cooper probably drank a little bit too much uh seawater woke up this morning with a bad belly (laughs) his name Uh, is cooper (laughs) (laughs) yeah but all is all is well that ends well of course Um, took in 18 innings on the beach that was awesome yesterday shout out apple for making the iphone because (laughs) <laughs> you did not just shout out Apple for making the iPhone. Shout out Steve Jobs. Yeah, that's that's my boy. Um, but anyway, to get back to what I was saying, it's crazy these two teams have never met in the playoffs. It is. That is crazy. When you have teams that are geographically aligned like this in same divisions, in all sports, like the Rangers have played the Flyers, the Knicks have played the... But honestly, though, the whole reason this, because they, didn't they used to have that rule... In baseball, that if you were the wild card, the single wild card team, and you were matched up with a team, you couldn't play your team in your division in the first round. Wasn't that a rule for a while? Yeah. That was a rule. I think also the fact is that neither team had a lot of success throughout the no. 90s. No. <laughs> um, it's one or the other. I mean, I mean, look, in 07, 08, they pretty much played playoff games. Yeah. yeah. I have some bad memories of being a Citizens Bank Park September 07 and Chase Stadium September 07 for that matter. That's that's awful. Awful. I was at the, I was at the Oliver Perez Friday Night Marlins game September 07. Ooh. Hmm. I think everyone's got a good September 07 story. Not that we're trying to. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Leave it in the past. Throw the hit. Lock it with a key. Joel Pinheiro. Everything is great right now, so <laughs> it's all good. Um, huge series win. We're, first of all, before we get to estimate, where does this win against the Phillies today rank in all the wins, obviously, that had 14 against them that they had this year? Because we forget, obviously, the comeback on May 5th, but Nick Plummer. Yeah. Yeah, this, the, the they've no-hitter. Re- they've re- they've this not is, only— This is probably four, honestly, as crazy as that sounds. I don't know. I, know I might put this higher. I might say this is number two. I think I have this at two. I think the, the plumber most... one's crazier because the plumber one, this was before the Mets even went meteoric and during yeah. like the middle of end of May. Actually, they kind of were all like, kind of moving by this point, but they got really hot after it. But that one killed Joe Girardi. Like, how satisfying <laughs> is it to kill Joe but, Girardi? But that was also like one of the best things that happened to the Phillies. Yeah. For sure. But like, as, I mean, Sunday Night Baseball, that was also a Wheeler game, I believe, like scratching one yeah. out against him, a like, game that you had no business winning. Nick, Nick Plummer has since been designated for assignments. Like it's, it's just you look back and it's unbelievable. The no hitter also. I'm guess I'm, I'm in part, I'm partial to it because I was there. Yeah, which was a pretty true. cool experience. But yeah, I think, just, I think for me it goes the the big comeback, this game, no hitter Nick Plummer. And it's not that the Nick Plummer game wasn't sick. It's just I think I, I, too. I, I think this win in all, this late in August, especially when the series like it, it felt like it could have really flipped how the season felt a little bit for the Phillies. In that terms, yeah, this one kind of kind of put them right back where they belong in third place. <laughs> so we the Mets won. Mets beat the Phillies fourteen times this year. Five losses or four losses against them. 
five losses. And they lost the first one of the whole season against them in a game they blew that they yeah. really were leading like the whole time, way back in April, a whole apartment ago for me and Mark. <laughs> but just it, they really, it's just so satisfying when you can take a team in your division who's objectively a good baseball team and just simply pummel them through and yeah. through. Just complete. Right, I think that's it. They are a good baseball team, and we like to make fun of the Phillies here. And you know, it's all it's all well and good, but so they are a good team this. objectively. No, so yeah. to win fourteen games against them is, I mean, if everyone. They pl- if they play seven games against any team in the National League, not the Mets, Braves, or Dodgers, they have a really good chance to win it. Like I mean, Padres, Cardinals, Brewers. No, but like all the second of all the second tier playoff teams, like they're really. Yeah. I think they they probably have a hair advantage on them. But that's fair. What are you gonna do? Oh my God! Fourteen wins. Yeah, for me, nice. for me, this is the best one of the season, just because of the back and forth nature of the game. To take two punches in the form of Alec Bohm cheapies yeah. and then get off the mat both times, and then again that man Gene Segura does it to the Mets. <laughs> and at that point, like I just sat down for dinner. I'm like, all right, we got a tight <laughs> game. I have plenty of time. Boom, home runs hit by Segura. I'm like, great. Not only do I need to rush my dinner, but also. <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be an unhappy show. This these are these are bad vibes right now. Wait, hold on, hold on. James, have you had dinner yet? Neither have I. I just I just I just think it's so funny to see the uh the difference yeah. in different lifestyles. John, yeah, John has got a wife, a, a dog. <laughs> 6.30 is late. Look at that unbelievable, like, windowed view. The white sheets on the bed. I can't. I don't, want, I don't even want to show you guys my bed behind this right now. I've had, like, the same comforter since college. No, I have, I have, I have a gray comforter and gray sheets and two different colored pillowcases I stole from my parents. My girlfriend consistently says, you have the same comforter that, like, you had in college. Like, you're, you're an 18-year-old boy. And I was like, yes, what am I going to get a new comforter for? It still does the job. I've keeps had me warm at night. Yeah, I, just, warm. I, I just switched my comforter from my college one about six months ago. That's that's an adult move right there. And I got almost the exact same color, gray. <laughs> Cheapest one. But yeah, that's it. Very different life. Gray is neutral. And speaking of gray, how about that for a little transition? Things have been a little gray in the Bronx recently. Oh, um, really? Where the Mets are headed next. See what Wait. I did there. Ooh, how are the nice. Yankees doing? I haven't been keeping tabs on them. Have you been? Yeah, I've. I don't know anything about the Yankees. I, I only care. There. I only care about the best team in New York, which is the Mets. Yeah, I only focus on the Mets right now and the Braves. Not the little, really. not the little brothers. Round two. It's that time. Subway. I mean, and how much fun did we have after uh, after the sweep? About a month ago. Now it's crazy. It was great, and I'd re- I'd really love to double down and have another really fun episode like that after playing the Yankees these next two days. Jeez. Oh my God. What do you got for us, John? All right. So, like I was saying, a lot of uh, a lot of issues in the Bronx. Let's let's be honest. I think they've won four of their last eighteen or nineteen games now after a win on Sunday. So, congrats to the Yankees getting <laughs> off the Schneid. Uh, the Yankees, yeah. Nice pregame ceremony. Number twenty-one retired today. I'm not sure if uh, they had to do that one. Maybe a plaque in Monument Park would have sufficed, but yeah. <laughs> we don't need to arbitrate that. Um, but some boos were heard during the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, uh, go on Twitter and just type in Yankees boo, and yeah. uh, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. Things a little bit ornery in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. You know what the Mets did to the Yankees about a month ago. Yeah. The Mets are coming in hot, yep. riding the, the momentum of Sunday's victory. So my question for you, as uh, Mark just tries to you know keep this competitive here, <laughs> is how many audible boos will we hear from the Yankee faithful during the two-game series between the two teams? And what I mean by audible boo, mm-hmm. and for everyone listening at home, because yes, it's a very subjective thing, the three of us peek behind the curtain, 
chatting constantly throughout games in a, in a group chat. And Mark James, myself, we will we will all mutually agree on what is a boo. Yeah. So there's not going to be any gray area of was mm-hmm. it a boo, wasn't it a boo? Mm-hmm. A boo is a boo. I believe James, you go first this week. Oh, yeah. I said I said such as, a good line last time too. I know, and you still lost. You still, you know why? Because you didn't, you didn't believe in your friend Jeff. I believed I, in my friend Jeff. You didn't believe sh- in your friend Jeff. That's a shame on me. I thought he was going to get uh, six hits in four <laughs> games. I didn't believe well, he got in eight. Him. <laughs> I honestly, I got scared because I thought he was going to sit the sun, the Saturday evening game against left-handed Bailey Falter. But little yeah. did I know that Jeff McNeil has the best pain tolerance in, in America right now. He can't. guy just doesn't care about his lacerated thumb. Jeff and Buck are killing me. <laughs> so I'm thinking that. The opportunity for a boo, as we're going to have to state it, is mostly going to come before an at-bat or when players take the field, correct? I mean, like... Or after gonna, plays. After it's going to be after happen. plays. Like, yeah. the inevitable strikeout from whoever it's going to be on that side, someone's going to get booed. I, I, yeah. If IKF oh, plays in this Aaron series... Maybe Hicks, he's been getting booed a lot. Yeah. We're um, really... We're playing with fire here. We are. We are, but... But there will be boos. That's I think there's... Yeah. No doubt there will be boos. Like, there might be a boo from the first pitch. You don't know. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to put the line exactly where Mark put it last time at seven. Mm. I think there'll be se- seven. Two games. Only two game series here. Man, because if, if the Mets are playing like the Mets have been, this could be a boo every inning. I mean, it, could. it, 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 really, it really could turn into that. But there's also just like this weird, weird world where there's a lot of Mets fans there. And you might you might not be hearing the booze. The Yankee fans they might they might not want to watch this series. So all the all the Yankee fans are in the Hamptons during August. They're not yeah, real true. fans of their team. That's why the team is I mean the team is playing so poorly, first of all, because they, they wrongfully chased Joey Gallo out of town. The Joey they Gallo curse. Besmirched his name. He's now actually hitting the ball decently out in Los Angeles. And great. they can't hit the ball at all in the Bronx. Yeah. Oh man. man. Uh, seven, huh? You have to go over. Frankie Montes <laughs> pitches game two for the Yankees. That is big. He is hundred percent being booed, but he it's, might just get, like, one big boo when he leaves the game. I don't think he's going to get boos during his start. Oh, man. You know you're going over. I know I am. I know I am. The brain says under. The heart says over. And if you take anything from this podcast, always follow your heart. I'm going with the over. <laughs> always follow your heart. <laughs> I'm going with the over. I'm going with the over. <laughs> I should have said eight just to really make it sweat. You really got over anything I said. I should have said yeah, ten. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. I, I, these... When Yankee fans get particularly ornery like they have been, the smallest thing will make them boo. And I'm really hoping that they're especially ornery. Like, especially if we get a little bit of rain on Monday and there's, like, people are wet. Imagine wet Yankee fans watching them lose to the Mets. Like, I don't think they could get any more angry than that, especially Domingo Herman has a really good chance to get booed. If Isaiah Kinder-Falefa plays, he has a really good chance. Aaron Hicks. Ben Intendi probably would have, but he hit a home run today at one of my games, so that's a little yeah. bit tough. They have candidates. The cat, if Kyle Higashioka plays, he's getting booed. So if Frankie Montes gives up a run the first inning, he's being booed. Aaron Boone walks out like to make he's, a pitching change. Booed. He's being booed. Chapman, Holmes, Loisiga. There's there's a lot of candidates, and I just as the Yankee hater that I am, follow your heart going over. It's probably just it's it's insane to get booed more than seven times in two games. But I have to take the over. John, you would have gone under last one, right? You would have gone under seven for Jeff and Pete. I would have gone under, and I, I guess I would have been wrong. Um, I definitely would have gone under here. Yeah. I was just kind of curious to see what you guys, where you were at with this, and also obviously uh, trying to throw a little shade at the Yankees, so why yeah. not use Estimate to uh, as a vehicle for that? 
And like also, said, hopefully, Mark is struggling with the baseball question, so we need to give him something that's a little easier. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is not all. This show is not all about baseball. I mean, we like <laughs> we, all sorts of fun. Um, and honestly, I mean, if Mark continues to lose, we're going to have to then maybe try to think of some creative ways where Mark can say, "Hey, if I if I win this one, I'll get two victories. But if I lose, yeah, I might need to do like a." Well, we, I mean, if we're only doing this for regular season, we could really expedite the tuxedo game. For the playoffs? Like, why are we waiting for opening day? Why don't we do it in the first round? I don't, I don't have a good tailor. Do you guys know a tailor in a store? I'll, I'll hook you up with a tailor. I'll find one. last year. I had to wear three tuxes, so yeah, that doesn't even make any sense. Not, not for my wedding. No, we we're, always oh. looking for, <laughs> we're always looking for sponsors for the show. Men's Warehouse, like, where you at? John, John wears black for the ceremony, light blue for the cocktail hour, and white for the dance floor. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. There were some other weddings where tuxedos were necessary. But I do know tailors, although you travel in Central Jersey. I don't think so. I never go to Central Jersey. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. I didn't mean to do that. Send them out. <laughs> Get him out of here. Get it. John's out on that note. John, thank you again for the estimate. Hopefully, right. I can, hopefully I can win one. I mean, I have, boy, oh, boy, yeah. do I need help. What's, is, it, is it 7 to 2 now? It is... It's a lot to a little. I think seven to two One, is right. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen series left. So it's really not dead at all. I'm not dead series. at all. I'm not dead at all. But I, you know, the more and more I think about it, my brain's really telling me you picked the you couldn't have picked the worst. You pick over seven. <laughs> so that's so many. We play two games. We might only play one. There might be rain. I know. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. I really fucked that one up. <laughs> and, Sorry, I mean, Abiel. Bleep that. <laughs> as we as we transition into the Yankee preview, as I have three minutes till fantasy football draft begins. Yes. Um, there is a chance. We we know that Max Scherzer is going to pitch game one against Domingo Herman, but there is some question about who's going to be pitching game two for the Mets of this series or whether whenever game one and game two are going to happen because yeah. Taiwan Walker looks like he'll be ready, I think, which is something I never want to hear. The Mets want to give Jacob DeGrom extra rest, which is a little bit scary. Yeah. I'm I'm indifferent. I think if there's anybody who could take extra rest, I'm happy for it to be him. For sure, hundred percent. But the, the the idea that it's needed is something I don't want to hear. I don't know if it, have they said it's needed or is it just no? They they said like if if you're if he's, if he's going to slot in, that's when it's going to be okay. Which Interesting. I, I, I think that's more so com- with keeping Taiwan maybe on a schedule rather than Sh- sure. I guess if he was supposed to start on f- no, he was supposed to start Saturday or today. That's Today, not a yeah. schedule. That's not a schedule at all, honestly. Maybe of, he uh, must schedule. He would actually go the motorcycle. If he was actually staying on schedule, he would slot into the next open spot on his rotation after Bassett on Thursday, on Friday. That'd be the schedule. Okay. Yeah, maybe they want the ground against Colorado too. And there's also just a world where he still just pitches against the Yankees. So it's true. Yeah, nothing, nothing's official. Yeah, the only thing that's official is Scherzer, Herman. Whenever the first game of the series is played, Montes is lined up for the second one. But there is rain in the forecast on Monday, so we don't know what's going to happen. The teams do have a coinciding off day on Wednesday. So I guess it would make more sense for everybody to get that game off. But I do believe the Yankees are going west. Going to Oakland, I think. Next weekend. So that Wednesday game would have to be a day game. And I'm sure that the powers that be would not want this Mets-Yankees premiere. This is really loud. I have to wait a second. No, we can't hear it. You can't hear it? No, it's good. You're straight. Oh, my God. There's there's someone doing donuts outside. Yeah, no, you're good. Great. I'm happy we've been able to circumvent the chaos outside my window with the, the, the microphone facing the wall. But from what I've heard from people listening to, they say, we never actually hear anything going on from you. I know. Apartment. People have told me that, too, which is unbelievable. I guess I That's... should stop even bringing it up. <laughs> but I I almost like it, it makes logical sense if the game Monday does get rained out. But they're also going to wait till the last second to rain it out because for of how sure. big of a television event this is, which sucks for all the fans going, which also might be us. But we can't do anything about that. Wednesday will be weird. Just... 
you're guaranteed to get one game of Max Scherzer pitching against the Yankees in the series. You win that one against Domingo Herman again, and then you move on. Yeah, and then we see how it goes. I mean, Yankees are not playing their typical Yankee baseball, and the Mets are playing good baseball. So I think as Mets fans, we should be feeling good going into the series. And honestly, there's a real chance the Mets fans could take over Yankee Stadium, which would make me... Yeah, oh, chef's kiss. That'd be amazing to hear. Let's go Mets chance inside Yankee Stadium for a Especially, team that was like, we're the best team in baseball. Who's going to beat us? And they've gone. I'm not going to say, it, but they've been bad. I'm old enough to remember when the Yankees were on pace to break the regular season win total in May. Yeah, right. I was on. I'm old enough to remember when uh, Aaron Judge was supposed to break Barry Bonds home run record. And now you look at the Yankees since June 1st, and I believe they're either in last or second last in the AL East since June 1st. That's crazy how that happened so quickly. I mean, the Mets fans, we got super unlucky because we didn't, we don't get to see Garrett Cole this series. Guy's been just really <laughs> stinking it up. He's. Did you see his fake tough guy thing, by the way? Yeah. I, this is bad. our chance to take some shots here as you're getting ready for your fantasy football draft. So you oh, I'm on the tab. Don't worry. Okay. You're good. Good. We'll just keep talking through this, but... Garrett Cole gave up those runs against the Blue Jays, uh, what was it, Saturday? And he did the Brett Gardner, like, I'm going to punch the ceiling. And, like, Garrett yeah. Cole's like, hey, come on, Garrett, with his, like, weird little Kermit no. the Frog voice. Like, oh, no. come on, Garrett. I, I believe that someone voiced that over. That was actually him? <laughs> no, no, no. That was Jared Carabas, but Okay. Or Carabas, But, uh, no, Garrett Cole's voice, though, is like that, though. I mean, he's got the Patrick Mahomes, Kermit the Frog voice oh, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, win. I really yeah. love the Yankees. I was a Yankee fan when I was a kid. And then did you see today when Judge got hit on a just inside fastball from Alec Manoa? Garrett Cole got over the dugout immediately and started screaming at Alec Manoa. And Alec Manoa was like, you think I'm scared of you? Like, I'm six foot six and 280 pounds. I'm an absolute unit. So much so that he told Garrett Cole after the game. Well, he didn't tell him after the game, but you talking to reporters the after the game as you're on the clock there. Christian McCaffrey, baby. Welcome. RB number one. A second pick, and he is my RB official number one player on the board. It's too you play early. To win for, the, you play to win the game. It's just simply too early for a fantasy football draft, August twenty first. How funny is it that when the Mets made this original comeback against the Phillies, the the New York Hockey Rangers were playing their first round playoff series. Yeah. And today, in their last big comeback win against the Phillies, I'm doing a fantasy football draft. Yeah, that's, that's two completely different sports. <laughs> Time flies, baby. But uh, long story short, Alec Manoa told uh, the reporter that if Garrett Cole wants to uh, you know, come out and say something to him next time. He can walk past the Audi sign because he just he stayed basically on the uh, the the grass or the gravel or whatever it's called. I can't think warning track. He stayed on the warning track, shouting at Alec Manoa. So I thought that was fun. I wish we got to see him this series because seeing Garrett Cole really just blow big games is something that I truly do appreciate. He's not a big game pitcher at all. No, I mean, has he? I mean, he he was a big game pitcher when he used to play against the Yankees. That was pretty cool. The ish, yeah. I mean, kind of. He won playoff games. He did, yeah, for the Astros, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know, something about the bright lights of the city. Some guys don't have it. He's born to be a Yankee. That's what he, that's what they like to say. I was born to be a Yankee. I was born to be a Yankee and gave up five runs. <laughs> it's still a lot of time left to go in this season. The Yankees look horrific right now, but I know that there's still enough talent on the scene that something Yeah, they're happened. still good, yeah. The thing is, just like, they're... Their, their lineup has been poor. Like, this, well, is the Yankees no, off, this is the Yankees' offensive output in their last week. Four, two, zero, two. The one with the eight against the Rays, big win. One, zero, zero, three, two, three, zero, and a nine. No standing less- in the lineup. That's kind of what the big difference here is. Because you, you just, I mean, let's be honest, you don't really have to throw to Aaron Judge when Stanton's on the lineup. Nor should you. No. Like, DJ LeMay, he was hitting fourth, and I think that was them trying to give him a little bit more cushion, a little help, but... I'll face DJ LeMahieu every time and walk Aaron Judge. No problem. 
Absolutely. I don't think that is even going to be half of an issue. Nope. I think the Mets are going to have a nice little series against the Yankees. Excited. Excited for this one. Uh, definitely. John just told oh. us they haven't won consecutive games since August. That's Well, it is August. Oh, yeah, it is August. John, August John what, are you giving, what are you giving us here? Oh, in Wait. August. In August. Not <laughs> since on. August. In August. That's rough, that's rough reading there. Oh, Listen, it's God. 8 o'clock on a Sunday. I haven't I haven't had dinner yet like John. We didn't have a 6.30 dinner. That was considered late, you know, so. John probably sets the table for dinner. Think about that. They they have uh, their prop- salad forks. S- silverware. Yeah. China. Yeah. John, John definitely has China. Da- <laughs> John definitely has China. He might have multiple sets, if I'm being honest with you. As we are uh, just giving it to him, but he can't even fight back because he's been yeah. moved out of the stream. We hold the keys. Take that. <laughs> nice try, John. No, but I think that's a perfect way for us to wrap up this episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Episode 120. That's a round number. I like Ooh. that. Shout out to uh, the Mets. We appreciate you guys. We love yeah, being the almost, official podcast of the Mets. It's like how many wins the Mets are going to have this year. Yeah, 120. That'd be great. I don't think that's even possible, but you know what? Let's do it. Yeah, uh, it might still be possible. I think mathematically it might be possible. How many losses do the Mets have right now? Maybe like 45 or 46. Ah, yeah, and I, don't think, I don't think it's mathematically possible. But Mets playing good 44, baseball. 44 almost. We can get 118. 118. All right. That's what we're striving for. That's what we're striving for. Don't lose all season. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Make sure you follow us on all our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're watching us, YouTube channel, the New York Mets YouTube channel, go check it out there. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts, download, review, rate us, share us. We do appreciate you. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. Banger tweet going right now. The Marcana backflip that. Jerry Blevins retweeted and Tomas Nilo quote tweeted. There's no way that Tomas Nilo knows I interviewed him less than two weeks ago. Oh, there's, I think, a zero percent chance. Yeah, I think there's a less than zero percent chance. Maybe he does. We'll have to ask him the next time we're at the stadium. We will. And uh, follow me at Giraffe Mark. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you after the Yankee series. Peace out. Peace out, guys. See you next time. Get up. Get, get up. Get up.